Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old, and I'm joined by fellow video essayist Thomas Flight to talk about M. Night Shyamalan's Signs. Thomas, had you seen Signs before? No, I hadn't. This was actually my first time watching it, and it was one that you brought up mm-hmm. last week when we were discussing yeah. Nope, and... I have to say, I definitely see the kind of parallels that that you identified. Feels mm-hmm. like almost a spiritual kind of cousin of Nope. Granted, one from 20 years ago by, in some ways, a very mm-hmm. different director. There's a lot of interesting similar themes that it explores, but but it also goes in its own unique directions mm-hmm. and deals yeah. with some things that I think Nope doesn't. So this will be a, a very interesting film to discuss on the tail of our Nope discussion, which I think we can probably... Mm-hmm. Keep nope spoilers out of this film. We'll definitely yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Let you know ahead of time if we if we accidentally stumble into any, we'll go yeah. back and make sure that people are warned. That said, if you've seen Nope and you've listened to our other episode about Nope, there's probably a lot of that discussion that I'm assuming will like play mm-hmm. a role in this or inform this discussion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I enjoyed watching it the first time. You had obviously seen mm-hmm. before, so. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Besides maybe the connection to Nope that we've already talked about, were there other reasons that you were Mm -hmm. interested in discussing this specifically? Yeah, because I think even ignoring Nope altogether, I think it shares a lot of the premise and some of the contextual elements, but I think thematically it goes in very different directions that are just interesting in their own right. I think it's, it's a fascinating movie about the meaning of faith. Yes. About how we deal with the unknown and the fear of something like some sort of cataclysm that happens while at the same time we don't understand how exactly it's happening. And I think it's just a really well-constructed alien invasion movie by, it's an interesting study on perspective, yeah, on setup and payoff. I knew at the time, and still I think the movie is getting a lot of criticism for the way it handles its ending and certain elements that are supposedly like plot holes or just bad writing. And I completely disagree with that. I think it's my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie. I think most people would go to The Sixth Sense as his big movie for which he will be remembered. And that's probably true, but I still like Signs a bit better. I think it's more fun to rewatch it. It has a surprising amount of humor as it as well that I really enjoy every time. I love the performances. I love the setting. I love the music. And I think it's just a really good script that is really efficient at the way it conveys information and then withholds it and then releases it at the exact right times. And it gets a little cheesy maybe towards the end, but I still... Yeah, I think there's a thematic relevance there that makes it okay, in my opinion. And I think it's also an interesting movie that demonstrates the importance of bringing your own imagination into a story. As I said, the earlier mentioned plot holes, a lot of them, to me at least, they can be resolved by just putting yourself in the perspective of the characters who have limited information and then filling in some of the blanks with your own imagination. There's an interesting discussion there about what a plot hole is and what an audience or what you as the audience are supposed to know in order to make sense of a story or to enjoy a story or to get some meaning out of it. Yeah, That's a lot of the stuff that I uh, look forward to getting into.
Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a good discussion. I'd be interested to hear about some of what those alleged plot holes are because mm -hmm. I just watched it and haven't read anything about it yet. There wasn't anything that at first glance bothered me in that sense. So that'll be interesting to maybe, mm -hmm. maybe discuss. I agree with that. I like it. My first impression was that it does rank pretty high, at least in terms of what I've seen from M. Night. I think there is a little bit of like maybe a, a sentimentality that kind of like almost borders on a corniness by the end, but that's mm -hmm. a kind of what I come to expect from M. Night to a certain degree. So like, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I was expecting that going <laughs> in. And then B, I think it kind of works in this case. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just like fits within the the general yeah. frame of the movie. And yeah, so. I think it works because there's a certain sincerity to it. It reminds yeah. me of the Wachowskis and the way they handle... Uh, not just in Matrix, but you see it in movies like Speed Racer as well. They get like hyper sincere at the end. And some people find it off-putting sometimes or they do like too sent uh, sentimental. But I think in the context of this story, it kind of works because the main character is also this super sincere person who lacks any kind of irony. And so, yeah, I guess in that sense, it, yeah. it, it worked for me or it didn't bother me at least. I do also... To go back to to something that you mentioned, I do really like the its use of perspective and the mm -hmm. framing of all the information that we get is only what the characters in the story get. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about like the impulse, a lot of similar movies, I think, would probably give into the impulse of like, I guess this is getting into spoiler territory. Um, so if you haven't seen Signs, then slight spoilers but mm -hmm. there's aliens this is not a huge spoiler mm -hmm. yet but when the the lights show up you only get information through like what's on the tv and you there's not like these huge sweeping shots of like all the different places where you know the aliens are showing up and like i'm pretty sure unless i'm wrong misremembering and i'm wrong about this but i'm pretty sure like even at the beginning when the crop circles first appear you only see mm -hmm. the crop circles besides the ones on the farm you only see the others like through the perspective of what they what they see on television yeah there's one like as the first time they discover the crop fields their own or the, yes. the signs in their own crop fields there's one like a helicopter shot that kind of right. pulls out and reveals the whole thing but that's i think the only yeah. direct omniscient perspective that you get in the in the movie but yeah after that i think it's all of them is just what's shown on television or right. recorded by other characters in the world, yeah. supposedly. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like that isolation and that reservation of like staying mm -hmm. with the characters and in this place. To me, that just like gives a movie a sense of presence that really works for this kind of story. Like I wouldn't say it's mm. it's never appropriate to you know, go into that omniscient mode. It just depends on the kind of story that you're telling. And in this case, it's like a family and mm. it's much more about that family's grief and their, you know, them dealing with faith and these specific situation. And so I think mm -hmm. it gives the movie a lot more immediacy and presence to keep it like always within their frame and so yeah that was one of my one of my favorite things just about how hmm. things are presented and how the story is framed yeah this episode was brought to you by Mubi, the curated streaming service showing hand-picked exceptional films from around the globe which both thomas and i have been big fans of for many years they have a fantastic library of amazing films and they add a new one every day 
whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, there's always something new to discover. And if you go to movie.com slash cinema of meaning, or just follow the link in the show notes, you can try movie yourself for free for 30 days. So be sure to claim that extended free trial and start your month of great cinema today. Should we start with a basic plot outline and sure. kind of see from there like what the actual story behind it is because there's obviously the superficial layer of it is that there's a family on this in this small community they have a small farm or at least a house outside of town that where in their own crop fields they find ominous sign like some extraterrestrial or at first they think it's a prank or something but yeah. there's something that spooks them and then as the time goes by like it's revealed slowly revealed that there's something going on on a like global level there's an alien invasion that slowly but surely they're revealing like yeah this is this is real this is happening we have to take measures we have to do something but i think also at the same time the family is dealing with this personal tragedy the main character graham uh, played by mel gibson he was a reverend whose wife passed away in a accident after which he kind of lost his faith. That's pretty much, I think, the the more personal story that's set up there. His yeah. brother came to live with, or he moved in after to support his family. He's played by uh, Joaquin Phoenix in a, a really great role, in my opinion. And those two layers, they kind of they kind of become intertwined with each other as the kind of the alien invasion for a lot of people, including the family. It starts to invoke questions about the existence of God and maybe the coming apocalypse and just the question of what does all this mean? Is there a purpose to all this? Is it all just random chance? And yeah, I think that to me is the kind of main question that's posed here. Yeah. But I like that it's presented with a certain lightheartedness. At least at first, right. there's a lot of humor in the way they think it's a prank at first and they kind of treat it as such. So when there's the first actual alien on the roof, they think it's uh, Lionel and the, the Wolfington brothers right. or something like that. And, and <laughs> you get this really funny scene where uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, is kind of encouraging Mel Gibson to scream around the house and act like really violently <laughs> yeah. and aggressive, which is really out of character for him. <laughs> and then the day after, they have to explain it to the police officer. And there's this whole interaction about the possibility of it being a woman and like an Olympic <laughs> Scandinavian high <little>. jumper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of subtle absurdity to it all that. For me, it makes it it's just a fun movie to rewatch. And I do like how funny it was, especially at the beginning. To that note, like mm -hmm. one of the things I really appreciate about Shyamalan is his the way he moves the camera and frames things is mm. particularly strong. Like even in his weaker films, there's usually very interesting ways in which he like composes scenes and like the perspective that he uses. And he uses that to humorous effect in this movie in a couple places like there's that one scene where graham goes into the like drugstore or something and the mm. girl behind the counter is wanting to like confess to him and he's like i'm not a reverend anymore and she's like yeah but i'm afraid the world's ending kind of like and then like it cuts away and then comes back and she's like giving her like confession about how many times she said douchebag and as she's saying this like an old guy like his head like pokes out from behind Mel Gibson, you realize like he's <laughs> been there the entire time. It's the kind of thing you would expect mm -hmm. in like a Wes Anderson movie or something. But he'll mm -hmm. go, he'll be like fairly dry for 
the entirety of a scene or something and then like just poke this like kind of bit of absurdity into the world which is fun mm -hmm. there's also that moment where there's at first you have a scene where the, the children they have these aluminum hats and then <laughs> A little while later, something that happens and then Graham comes in and he sees his brother too is sitting between yeah. the kids with the same <laughs> yeah, hat yeah. and the way they're positioned, it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting that he, if you compare it to War of the Worlds, for example, with the, the Tom Cruise one, I feel that's a movie that for me doesn't work in large part because it's so heavy handed. It's also a good example of a movie that doesn't leave anything to the imagination that right. kind of immediately hits you because it's kind of the same setup. It's a small family drama in the context of a larger alien invasion, but that doesn't really refrain from showing you the big destruction and the big aliens and all the major action that's all happening as the characters are accidentally in the neighborhood of that happening. In that sense, I like signs a lot more for having so much restraint in the way it really yeah. commits to not showing you anything. And it also makes the things that it does show you much more impactful, like the scene with Joaquin Phoenix seeing that first alien on the, the birthday tape on television, where he's sitting right. in the closet and there's this news report on a supposed amateur filming of an actual alien and you see all these kids and... Again, there's that little funny moment where Joaquin is like, uh, like, move children, vomit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then when the actual alien steps out, it's like this kind of Bigfoot shot. When I saw this movie for the first time, when I was still like a young teenager, like that was one of the most genuinely suspenseful scenes that I'd ever seen at that point. And uh, yeah, it's just, it so effectively shows what you can do when you hold back and then build that anticipation yeah. and then release like, even just a little bit can be so impactful, so effective. And yeah, that, that's something that I really love about this movie. Even from the opening scene, that's also so much conveyed within just a few shots. There's, I think one of the first shots is a picture of Graham with his wife. And then you see him wake up apparently from a nightmare and he's alone in the bed and he steps. The next shot, I think, is him stepping out of the shower or stepping out of the bathroom. And you see on the wall, there's this little white cross on the wall where an actual cross used to be right or used to hang and so you can see it's been taken down like and there's just two shots and you have already established like okay he had a wife but not anymore something's happened he used to be religious but also not anymore because something happened and then the next shot i think is he steps out of the bathroom because his daughter is screaming and then the brother also hears it in the he's, he's uh, living in the barn or something like some sort of uh out Side house. An apartment above the garage outside, yeah. Yeah. And so that immediately establishes that relation. And that's like barely a minute into the movie. Yeah. So that's that's something I really love about this one. It's so... There's not a wasted scene or shot there. Even when, the, when you look at the... There's that scene where the dog attacks the children. And what's the name of the kid again? Morgan. He stabs the dog with the, like a barbecue fork yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm not sure how you, how you would call it. I don't know what you would call that actually, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like for, it's like a grill tongs or not a yeah, tongs, yeah. but like a skewer thing. But even that is like set up just a few scenes earlier where Morgan is taking over the barbecue right. because he's worried that dad's going to burn the pieces of meat again. Yeah. And then you see like the, the Chekhov's barbecue pork <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just such a a such a masterclass in 
establishing information and then yeah. having like these little setups that pay off later. Uh, and one thing I also noticed this time around is there's obviously the big reveal at the end where the alien is vulnerable to water. And of course, the little the little girl, uh, Bo, she has all these glasses of water standing around. Everywhere, yeah. And there's a scene very early on in the movie where you see Graham is... Uh, like making an attempt to clean them up but then he sees there are so many of them that he just doesn't like he just doesn't bother with it altogether so that's there's even that little setup for why there are so many glasses and it's just just because he's he's too lazy to pick them up i think that's when the police officer came around he was also like he didn't have all the time in the world to clean the house and i don't know i I don't have a like a bigger point with this except for that it's just such a well-written script in the sense of using screen time and shots and information effectively and yeah i think that's that's always uh, something that's worth mentioning it's definitely worth mentioning because i feel that missing from so many films or or from a lot of tv that i watch these days is just like a very Mm -hmm basic fundamental grasp of like those methods of suspense and that like sense of setup and payoff it feels like a lot of it is just left to like stuff that's happening in the plot Mm -hmm. of like the dialogue and there's not much attention paid to like let's set up this visual element let's set up this element visually on screen while something else is happening And that's going to pay off later on or just like very particular attention paid to the way in which information is revealed. And if you watch this movie and you look at how often you as the viewer want to be seeing something that's happening, but like instead of showing that to you, he's focusing instead on a character's face or the flashlights are off or like something else is going on Mm -hmm. that kind of move is so important for this kind of film this kind of movie and it's missing from a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. i think so it's great to see that present in movies like this and i very much appreciate directors Mm -hmm. and and creators who lean on that kind of Hitchcockian like sort of stuff I think is he was mm-hmm. kind of the original master of that but more people should take notes <laughs> oh yeah what I also noticed this time around I'm curious to hear your opinion about it because it's more of a cinematography thing is that you had a lot of shots where Mel Gibson's character would be framed like right in the like dead center and it would be like this wide angle shot that kind of makes the whole scene around him not necessarily distorted but it's 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 a very distinctive shot and it it comes back like a couple of times and I'm curious to hear if you noticed it or what your thoughts would be on that. I didn't I don't think I noticed the particular motif. Yeah, because I think it's only his character that's That's that has this specific framing. Yeah, I think it's slightly down angle too, like the camera is slightly above his eyeline. But yeah, I think it's there in the scene that you mentioned with the girl that's confessing to him. Yes, yes. Like she is slightly off center, slightly more normal, but he is dead center. And then again at the end when there's the big reveal that there's obviously that big center framing. Yeah, I do think I know the one actually now that that you described that, Mm -hmm. that you're mentioning. I don't off the top of my head have commentary about how that's being used. Besides the fact that like, I think those kinds of shots, if they're used for 
for example, his character and not the others, it kind of helps focus mm-hmm. the story and center him as the protagonist, even though there's a lot of attention also given to the other characters in the in the family. But I definitely noticed stuff like there's a conversation they have about the aliens and they say something about like watching us from the sky or something. And then immediately mm-hmm. after that, they're driving into town and there's a shot like from the sky looking down at the car. And it's the mm-hmm. kind of shot that we wouldn't think twice about now because it's like a typical kind of like drone shot straight down. But this was pre-drones and it's kind of an unusual sort of helicopter shot mm-hmm. for this era of filmmaking. Yeah, I just love little little things like that where it's like it just plants that little seed in the back of your mind that yeah, like maybe yeah. you are getting like a little bit of a perspective shot and it's looking down and it's watching mm-hmm. them. And it doesn't really have any specific meaning beyond just like reinforcing those little ideas and, mm-hmm. you know, pieces. Yeah, there's a lot of tiny details like that. Some of them don't even seem to matter that much. Like there's, I'm not sure if you noticed, but there's that scene early on where the dog pees on the, inside the house and the children are worried that the dog is sick and so yeah. they want to call the animal doctor. But Graham, he wants to call a regular doctor. Right. And then his son is like, uh, well, he doesn't treat animals. with And Graham's kind of like, oh, we'll figure it out. And then later it is revealed that the guy who killed his wife, he was actually played by M. Night Shyamalan, is the veterinarian. Yeah, he's the vet. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's why earlier in that scene, he didn't want to... didn't want to call him. Yeah. Don't want to contact him. Yeah. Interesting. It's just, yeah, little things like that at yeah. all. Everything seems to piece together somehow, which, yeah, that's just... Uh, to me, that's just fascinating. And also relevant to kind of the themes of the movie, which are very mm-hmm. much about whether or not by the end... It's very much exploring the ideas of whether or not things have a reason or purpose or Mm -hmm. somebody is kind of making sure things happen in a specific way or if it's just luck and chance and, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of coincidence. Yeah, I think maybe if we can talk about Graham's character arc that I think is also most closely connected to the more thematic progression of the story. Yeah. Because, yeah, as we've talked about, he starts off as a reverend who has lost his faith. And there's this big, important monologue that he gives to his brother about there essentially being two types of people. Those who believe in random chance and those who believe that everything happens for a reason. So essentially there's the non-religious and the religious point of view. And he adds to it that when in the context of the alien invasion, that whenever the first group looks at it they see a like a random chance like a a 50 50 like it could be good it could be bad but they know in the end that whatever happens they're on their own whereas the second group they see those signs they see those lights in the sky and they see a miracle instead of feeling the fear of being alone they feel a certain sense of hope because they are assured that they are not alone and they have someone watching over them. And then he also adds after that conversation that he places himself in the first group. He has lost his faith. He no longer believes there's anyone watching over him, whereas the rest of his family, including his brother, they still believe or they still belong to that second group. Yeah. And so there's a struggle there between him and his family, but also obviously in within him internally, like there's an internal struggle for meaning that as the alien invasion progresses slowly, becomes more relevant and more unavoidable. Um, that's one question I had about that. There's something that I still 
can't really make sense of is that there's a lot of even if you assume that everything is connected and all has meaning as is kind of shown towards the end there's also like some false signs when they are looking at the book they see for example this house that resembles their own and it's being shut down by this ufo and right. there's this grown man or a grown person with two dead children laying beside it and they make this like remark like oh it's kind of like our house and it seems to be like this almost like a prediction of what will happen and then there's also it's it's kind of more on the more an afterthought but they also mentioned that Bo has some visions or some sort of dreams that may come true or not yeah. like it's and she dreams at one point that Morgan is going to die but of course it doesn't happen at the end neither does the first thing about them being killed by the aliens so i'm still that's something i'm still trying to make sense of why are there like misdirections or just false signs in a movie that's supposed to be about meaningful signs right yeah i wondered about that as well and i guess i don't know i haven't watched enough of Shyamalan's like work mm -hmm. or listened to him talk about things enough to know what his like personal you know perspective is and this mm -hmm. movie, particularly by the end, does seem to sort of affirm a kind of like belief or faith. But then I wonder if that's him just planting these kinds of like seeds of doubt that might, you know, inform the perspective of like, to what extent do we sometimes see what we want to believe instead of, you know, to what extent do we pick mm -hmm. to believe in the signs that end up being true instead of looking at every you know we have confirmation bias and those and those kinds of things i don't know i don't know if mm. he's actually trying to get at that kind of commentary with those moments or if it's just as simple as like dramatic misdirection of being like mm -hmm. false foreshadowing so we think it's going to end badly and then the twist is kind of more that it doesn't and that things turn out you know pretty okay because for also for mm -hmm. like a what feels like a it's going to be a horror movie for a lot of it or what feels like it's going to be this more you know it ends up with n nobody dies it's it, you know they did the aliens are dispatched pretty easily at least in within the realm of what we see and so there is this sort mm -hmm. of like mounting tension that he kind of dissipates at the end which i think is an interesting mm -hmm interesting move but i don't know to what mm -hmm. extent he's making a comment with the false signs yeah I do like the way that he poses the question of religion as one that's not about so much about the existence of God or God making some kind of un or unmistakable revelatory sign towards humanity that convinces everyone that yeah. he exists and that they should uh, believe in him, but that it's more of a question of personal attitude and personal perception. And it's just a kind of seems to embrace that there's parts of the universe or the cosmos or the fabric of reality or whatever you want to call it that we do not understand and that we do not have the knowledge about and that's maybe reflected uh, might be reaching here but maybe reflected by the alien invasion and the nature of us or at least this family not understanding what it means and what it is even because they don't know like even towards the end they're kind of in doubt about what the aliens were what they were doing here uh, why they left so early and basically they have no clue what as to what just happened so it's right. not just a it's not a matter of collecting evidence and then having this well thought out worldview it's more like a personal choice to make sense of whatever it is that you can know while also like 
acknowledging that you can never have a like an absolute truth. Right. And I once made a video about science actually where I argued that it's actually a great movie about the nature of faith. And I think in that movie I talked about, or in that video I talked about Viktor Frankl, the author who also talked about the question of ultimate meaning. And he kind of posed it as like, if you have like a sort of snake that represents some sort of form of trajectory or like some meaningful progression or of events, and you take it like a slice out of that and you represent that 3D image into like a 2D image. And then it's, you can only see like the points where it crosses the paper and it will look like uh, unconnected dots. And right. he kind of uses that as an metaphor for the way we experience reality and that there are like higher dimensions and there might be it might be that we only see like dots but we cannot see the way they are connected to each other so when talking about ultimate meaning it's ultimately like a question of do we choose to see those signs as maybe connected in some way that we cannot understand or do we see them as random Right. And that's, I think, is basically what Graham argues in the movie that, like, do we choose to see this as a sign or do we see choose to see this as some random event? Yeah. But I do, in hindsight, when I rewatched the movie yesterday, that I did have more, slightly more critical perspective of how it portrays its existential question. Because I, the one thing I'm not sure about now is it feels like there's a confusion between posing the question of the existence of God and then also posing the questions of what that would mean in moral terms because it's kind of conflated that if God is real then there's also that automatically means protectiveness and goodness and guardianship for his believers for humanity. It seems to argue yes. that if God is real, then the alien invasion is fine because God is looking, watching over them and everything will be fine. Right, right. Whereas then it could very well be true that if God is real, then maybe this alien invasion is part of the plan. You know, there's, yeah. I think there's been weirder things in the Bible than maybe it is God's plan. <laughs> that we are being grown for aliens to harvest us. And that to me, that's the only critical point I would have with this movie, at least on a thematic level, that it kind of conflates ultimate meaningfulness or the, the, the idea that there is some plan with that there's some kind of ultimate goodness for on a personal level, like, or some kind of guardianship, as I mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah, I think there's kind of a, maybe a little bit of a messiness to how it's posing that question. I like had a little bit of a hard time putting my finger on it at the beginning because it's kind of, mm -hmm. it's showing Graham as someone who he's lost his faith in God and kind of because of that, he's more skeptical and less likely mm -hmm. to have faith in the, the fact that the aliens even exist and aren't a hoax at the beginning. There's kind of a, an interesting relationship there because it's discussing the spectrum of like skepticism versus faith. But then mm -hmm. like it's almost posing the idea as of faith as like a universal faith in just like wanting to believe in things. Meryl mm -hmm. Joaquin's character even kind of says that at some point. Like he says like faith in things. He doesn't say faith in God, but faith in things like a willingness. He poses it almost more as like a willingness to believe. And that to me kind of like that's definitely a, a thing like you can kind mm -hmm. of fall on the spectrum of like 
I'm a skeptical person and I'm very, I have a very high barrier. Like I need a lot of evidence. My standard of evidence for what I will believe in is very high versus, you know, people who are more open in general to belief and whatever. That's definitely a spectrum. And so there's an interesting discussion to be had there. And I think the movie kind of touches on it to some extent. But then like, it doesn't necessarily like follow that. Then if you're just like, oh, I have faith or I'm willing to believe in stuff that you're like, well, the aliens, if I come to believe that the aliens are real, that means I also believe that God exists. It kind of like weirdly conflates these Mm -hmm. two things in a way that like, for a lot of people, I think on some level in like, especially with the kind of faith it's dealing with here, there are a lot of Christians who do believe that like aliens could be real or that aliens are real. But in a lot of traditional, more traditional like Christian circles, like a lot of people don't believe that. And so it's it's almost like mm-hmm. a weird, uh, like, I think there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of Christians for whom like seeing aliens and knowing aliens were real would actually cause them to question their worldview because there's like a very specific Christian like metaphysic that's like there's God and then there's humans and that's like the whole story mm-hmm. and so seeing something out no aliens in that uh, creation right yeah the aliens aren't in the Bible yeah. that kind of stuff and so seeing something outside of that that almost had this like metaphysical import would almost be more of a like you know like face shattering moment then it would be mm-hmm. like a, oh, I yep. have faith, so I'm I'm going to be more likely to believe in these aliens. Not that that's the way it is mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah, because it's true that Graham, I think, is the last one to really be convinced of yeah. the presence of the aliens. Right. But but at the same time, it's also it also becomes a catalyst for him regaining his faith. Yes. Because I think from the moment he accepts the aliens or accepts that that the aliens are real. That's, I think, when he wants to go to the lake, but he's outvoted by the family, so they stay at home. And then there's also, then it obviously becomes real as the aliens are entering, like they are entering the house, they're breaking down the doors. And then there's one shot that I really love. It's when they hurry into the basement and then Graham is like leaning against the door and this this slow motion shot of his face, I think it's the only of two slow motion shots there's one later when morgan is revealed to be alive but there's that uh, that first slow motion shot of his face just leaning against the door and he says something like i'm not i'm not ready right and from there there's a kind of there seems to be some turning point for him at that point he starts uh, i think that's a little later when morgan gets his asthma attack and then he kind of starts talking to god again he's like right. he's still angry like the one of the first thing he says like don't do this to me again i hate yeah. you that's that sort of stuff so there is a twist there where he where once the aliens like the reality of the aliens becomes inescapable that's also when his conflict with God becomes inescapable in some way. So yeah, there's an interesting journey there in relation to how he looks at the aliens and what that does to the struggle with his faith. Yeah. And that's all pretty directly connected too to the flashbacks that are revealing more details about the death of his wife. And we get this kind of Mm -hmm. unraveling of that situation where we, you know, realize that like, the circumstances in which he, she died were extremely like the chance it, Ray, the mm-hmm. uh, the guy played by M. Night, he just like happens to fall asleep and drive off the road and hit her at this one spot. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. what are the chances? What are the odds of that happening? Yeah. To quote, uh, nope, it was like a bad miracle. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a bad miracle. Yeah. And Ray even says that when he's kind of 
there's this moment where they sort of, there's a confrontation between them a little bit. He's like, it's like it was meant to happen. And his his wife also in one of the flashbacks kind of says a similar thing. And so mm-hmm. he's dealing with this, like, from that perspective, we almost see his loss of faith as maybe like a coping mechanism of being like, it's easier for him to believe it's just chance and there's no meaning to all of it than that was meant to happen. And that was a thing that, you know, had meaning and that his life, his wife was supposed to die. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of, as the aliens are coming, he's starting to like move back on that a little bit and like regain some faith, but he's still angry. And then the final Mm -hmm. portion of that movement is towards the end. There's this sort of like new miracle of like his son, barely escapes death because his asthma attack closes his throat while the alien is trying to like poison him and then he lives Mm -hmm. like it seems like the movie is suggesting then like he experiences what he sees as like a good miracle which is like oh he was meant to survive and that is kind of the thing that predicates like his return to faith at the end Mm -hmm. there's also that thing where the final words of his wife finally make sense in the context of that yes, new situation yeah. where it's almost like some kind of premonition where at first it seems like she's just talking like gibberish yeah. as her. Uh, he explains it as like the brain neurons are firing off and it's she's talking randomly and then at the end it's kind of connects together in a way out of that situation. But it's also true, by the way, the alien that is in the house at the end is also the one that Graham cut the yes. fingers off in the pantry and they it's said on the radio like the aliens are gone but only some of the wounded have been left uh, behind so there's also that thing where it's kind of also graham's his own doing right. that kept the alien there but it's all meant to yeah be. it's all meant to be it's all meant to be within <laughs> yeah. the world of <laughs> yeah. shaman's imagination it's definitely an interesting exploration of like the relationship to this idea of miracles or 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 signs. The thing that keeps playing in my mind every time I hear signs, there's a term within, like a biblical term, a term within Christianity, uh, like signs mm-hmm. and wonders that kind of like go together to, to refer to miracles. And like within the Bible, there's certain times where like Jesus kind of talks about signs and wonders. There's this relationship to like the signs and wonders, miracles happening, and the relationship between miracles and faith. There's an interesting way Mm -hmm. in which they're treated where sometimes they're almost not looked down upon. That's not quite the right word, but it's like there's this sense that like you shouldn't need miracles in order to believe. There's places where Jesus Mm -hmm. kind of suggests you people will only believe because of signs and wonders that's almost like a suggestion that like your faith is weak because you need you kind of need these miracles to believe yeah because if you need evidence then it's no longer a belief then it's just right and like then it becomes fact fact, and there's not an element of faith required in like you know kind of choosing to have this relationship to it so Mm -hmm. i don't know how that plugs into the movie but it's interesting how it plays with that idea and Mm -hmm. and it's kind of there throughout Yeah, I think you can also look at it just from a more pragmatic angle where you see Graham's attitude, not just towards faith and just life in general, but also the way he, I guess it's just his more like, he he becomes more pessimistic. He becomes a bit more like it affects his mood towards others and just in the moment where you see when he's giving that big monologue about coincidence versus science 
towards his brother. His brother was essentially just asking for some reassurance, like just right. he's he's like in doubt, he's frightened, probably he's just asking for like give give me like yeah. some hope. Graham, he kind of ends on the downer, like he that he believes we're all alone. And later again, it's his brother confronts him that saw in it like a look in his eyes that he that Graham didn't think they would survive the night, like after the basement scene, and that that's a, it's a look he never wants to see again. So there's also this this element of just how you perceive like coincidence versus science yeah. also affects the way you move through the world yeah. in a yeah. way, the way you compose yourself and the way you present yourself to others and to yourself and just it kind of decides the kind of energy or the vibe that you carry with you and reflect onto others. And so there, I, I think there's also, when I mentioned the shot at the door, when he says like, I'm not ready, I feel right. there's also a turning point in the way he becomes slightly more, like he becomes more of a fighter. Yeah. He becomes more like more courageous, I think right. also in a way. And so it also does something to just, not just your worldview, but also maybe like other virtues or yeah. just your general attitude to how you go about things. And right after that, there's kind of a, a change in, there's a similar situation where the son is having an, the asthma attack and he's kind of talking his son through that. And, and unlike mm -hmm. with his brother, he holds this posture of like, it's going to be okay. Like, believe you're going to be fine. He kind of has a second monologue there that tilts more in that direction of like, even if mm -hmm. you don't know, even if you're not sure, having faith that it's going to work out, it's going to be okay is like a good thing to have. And that's kind of what he's framing mm -hmm. in that moment. That definitely has an effect on people. I was just reading a book called uh, Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn is the author's name. And he talks about mm -hmm. some studies in that, that book that they did around like cancer patients' belief about whether or not they will survive and their relationship to survival rates. And like, like I'm not making a, a specific metaphysical claim about like believing mm -hmm. something makes it come true. But I think what some of those studies show is that people who have that sort of bearing of like, oh, I think I am going to survive, do actually fare a lot better in a lot of circumstances hmm. because, yeah. you know, it probably has, some, we don't understand it completely, but it probably has some kind of, you know, you're less stressed. So your body is in less of a state of like strain and all these other things. And so maybe you're healthier and then that allows your body to who knows even within a materialistic framework you can find examples of how your perspective on something or whether or not you have faith quote unquote about an outcome is going to have a bearing on like what happens in that situation and not just your mood but like maybe actual outcomes mm -hmm. is that also what the i think it's called the law of attraction that kind of proposes something similar but maybe in a right. more slightly <laughs> yes, yeah. way where it's you can definitely get into <laughs> weird territory with those ideas very quickly so like you know i definitely don't want to promote an idea that like you know oh you just believe something and it that's going to come true because i don't i don't think that's the case but like the complete opposite is also not true which is that like what we believe about things mm -hmm. has no effect on you know ourselves or how we feel or whatever mm -hmm. i think what people believe you know has a huge has a huge impact on their relationship to the world yeah to kind of simplify it somewhat i think the main distinction there is whether you present the causal relation between 
that's especially in that like the, the the cancer survivor example like if if you like imply that the causal relation is you're optimistic so ergo like right. the cancer goes away that's obviously like that's probably false or in the same way that you believe like i'm think that good things will happen or in the context of the movie like graham at the end he's believing like and repeating constantly like morgan's uh, his lungs were closed he didn't right. inhale the po- poison like his lungs were closed the poison didn't get in but that there's no relation between like no causal relation between that belief and the actual reality of it but i guess the own if you want to make a relation there it's maybe your mood affects like some third element that in turn informs the other one like there's a kind of like if you're a nicer person then you might not directly attract like good opportunities but it might be that other people are attracted to like your sense of humor or something like if your like your optimism informs something else which in turn attracts like better things but it's to me it's a bit of a messy concept that I don't want to pay like too much uh, or I do want to credit it, give it too much credit beyond the point that, as you said, like being a completely pessimistic person or someone who kind of withdraws himself from the world also obviously becomes like more of a massive force who doesn't make things happen. I think a good example of that in the movie is the dinner scene. There's uh, one of my favorite moments in the movie, actually, where they have this sort of a last supper and everyone gets what they want, but no one is enjoying it because kind of being like very down about it. And he becomes, because his son wants to say a prayer, but he won't allow it. He's just doesn't want to hear it. And then he becomes angry and he starts like eating all everyone's food and everyone becomes upset. And there's this whole just this small bit of negativity, it kind yeah. of snowballs into this. Yeah, just this very, like one of the more dramatic moments, I think, in the movie. That nevertheless ends with a, like on a more beautiful note, note where they just embrace each other and uh, kind of find some, some, some connection there. But you can definitely say that his, the way his attitude changes over the course of the movie also affects the way he not only reconnects with his faith, right. but also reconnects with his family. Yeah, I think so as well. It's definitely a complicated discussion and it's a messy kind of idea to explore. And I think like the fun kind of tongue in cheek things about this is that it is a movie about aliens. So it's dealing with this kind of like Mm -hmm. more, it also has this absurdist element to it, which I mean, it's maybe not, but it's like, it's coming at it Mm -hmm. from like this angle of like this more pop culture angle that wouldn't necessarily always have this like kind of religious or philosophical weight given to it Mm -hmm. and kind of it's not exactly the tree of life or andre hulref or yeah (laughs) that does kind of capture that element of how you know the relationship Mm -hmm. between like these ideas and the fact that they can turn into things like the law of attraction where people are like oh you know yeah if i just like chant this if I just say something and believe it, like it's going to come true and I'm going to become rich if I just like write that in a book over and over again or something. And it's like the boundary between like, I would say like meaningful faith that has this like deep impact on your life and a very like surface level faith that might provide some level of comfort, but is also like (laughs) <laughs> like just the example that Merrill gives, yeah, that for why he's a miracle man. He's like, I'm sitting oh, on this yeah. couch, I'm about to kiss this like beautiful girl, <laughs> and then I realize I have gum in my mouth, so I turn to spit it out, and I turn back, mm-hmm. and she's throwing up, and he's like, 
that she could have been throwing up on me. And it's like, that's why, mm -hmm. you know, he's seeing a miracle in that, the absurdity of that moment, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Such a unprofound uh, yes. revelation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe also the distinction there is that the more superficial one that you mentioned also tends to be more like one of more transactional, like I believe yes. this, so I'm getting this from the universe. If I put right. this into the universe, I get this back. Whereas it's kind of like praying for a hundred dollars or something like right. you. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's not an actual prayer. You're just saying something you want and appealing to the highest force in order to get it. Yeah, it doesn't, Right. I, I don't think that even like the most religious people would say that that's, they would say that that's not what religion means. That's not what it means to pray and to to have a conversation with God or right. uh, however you want to frame it. That's just shenanigans, I guess. <laughs> I think like a deeper, more meaningful sense of faith looks something more like mm -hmm. the Viktor Frankl idea that, that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. which is like it has an understanding of your own inability to see the entire situation. And I think it like grapples with in a, in a real way the possibility, like the impossibility of really knowing. And so that's why, that's where mm -hmm. it is, it is kind of face in a sense, because you're looking at the dots and you're saying like, there might be a snake here, but we can't see the snake. You essentially have mm -hmm. a choice between being like, well, it's just dots or maybe there's a yeah. snake. And you For the record, of, he didn't actually call it a snake, but that's, it, that well, was kind of my, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me paraphrasing. Yeah. <laughs> But within that metaphor, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of make the choice between the two and that's mm -hmm. that's sort of where faith lies. Mm -hmm. By the end of this movie, Graham is like, yes, there's a snake. <laughs> yeah. A cosmic cosmic snake of meaning. Yes. I mean, the interesting thing is while they do see the aliens, like he he come mm -hmm. he goes from skepticism to actually believing in the aliens. But like it's obvious. They show up, it's like, oh yeah, there's signs, mm -hmm. like we can see the the aliens are there. But like his ultimate return to faith is predicated on something that is like that can't be seen. Like he's choosing to go like, oh, my son didn't die because this happened. Mm -hmm. And that looks like a miracle to me. But like ultimately, it's not like God descends out of the clouds at the end and like makes a crop circle. It's basically him just reconnecting dots in his own life and yeah. turning them or like rendering them meaningful. Yeah. And I think that that's also if to kind of uh, maybe move into like a concluding part, like where a lot of the, the plot holes come from or the supposed yes. plot holes where people are, I think that that's where a lot of people were turned off in that final revelation where it is revealed that the aliens are vulnerable to water. Yeah. And so a lot of people were like, oh, why then didn't they reveal that soon? Like, why did it did they even come to earth? That's like two thirds water. <laughs> right, why right. did they, like, didn't they rain to death somewhere or? <laughs> yeah. It's basically like uh, people didn't accept the the premise of it aside from like the what the scene signified in terms of Graham refinding or rediscovering his faith. But that was such a it's kind of like that that whole discussion. I think back then you had the IMDb message boards where right. a lot of people were <laughs> active, and it kind of felt like the pre cinema since version of film criticism where you kind of focus in on these not plot holes but like not. Mm, like not 
totally logical right elements yeah. of the story but but I, I always thought it was so silly because there's even this explanation early on in the movie where there's a lot of people giving their own interpretations of what they think is going on. And one of them is the military officer who pretty much explains like, oh, this is like a recon mission. They're sending out like a few individuals here and there. They're kind of probing what's going on. And so I, that's always what I thought, like, oh, maybe... Right these aliens are not even like the main aliens. Maybe they are just like worker slaves or like lesser uh, versions of the actual aliens. Or maybe it's not the water itself, but something in the water that they didn't anticipate. Or it's just one of those discussions that was so easily explained if you just kind of activate your own imagination, yeah. in my opinion, instead of just getting lost in everything that the story or the script does or does not explain properly because and i feel like that's why now we have movies that feel the need to over explain everything because they don't want to end up with a cinema sin right. or yeah. an, an honest trailer that's too too harsh on them or <laughs> there was a very big like 2000 aught era of like measuring movies mm -hmm. by how they fit together in this very kind of like rational sense which i think mm -hmm. is like you know plot holes can be annoying especially if they're glaring and big and relate to like thematic elements of the film or like it makes the characters actions not make any sense or or whatever but like but there can often be like an over focus on that kind of thing and people want everything to be explained in like super super fine grain mm -hmm. detail instead of accepting kind of like <laughs> the realm of a movie as like this is a story that Mm -hmm. you know that's being told and it's you know it's fictional it's which i think there's a movement back towards that in a little bit which i like but yeah that that doesn't bother me too much i like the, i like the conception of like i like that the aliens were kind of easy to defeat mm -hmm. it's kind of a war of the world sea also they also end up being just defeated by some bacteria on earth yeah if i remember correctly or just some element that to us is just too obvious to even think about in right alien warfare i guess yeah just give him like a fever and they'll be gone <laughs> they'll be gone yeah <laughs> i think it's fun to be like well they're i mean they are not omniscient and all-knowing like they're hmm, yeah. more advanced than humans but i don't know it's it's funny to me that we have certain things that we have like fictionalized conceptions of and then people get so uptight about how that thing is represented like they're like i have my one idea of how aliens work which is that mm -hmm. they are you know exactly this way but they're humanoid they're so insanely you know more advanced that they would just easily overcome any obstacle that mm -hmm. they encounter and but it's like no you could have things on this side of that you can have things way on the other side like annihilation where it doesn't even look human and it just like you know destroys mm. everything on site or whatever but yeah i don't know it didn't bother yeah. me <laughs> too much i yeah i understand it to the point where if you have this big revelation where everything is connected at the end and then have yeah, yeah. one of those elements be really contrived or a little bit deus ex machina maybe yeah then I guess it makes sense. But yeah. given how the story is framed from this limited perspective, and it's clear yeah. from the very beginning that it's not about getting to know the ins and outs of the alien invasion. It's about the emotional impact of this on this one family. That, that to me, is what the end is about. Like, yeah. that's why you have the big music there. It's not because of the alien that's being, like, clubbed to death by, by Meryl, but 
because of like what that whole scene signifies for Graham and the rest right. of his family in more emotional terms, in more thematic terms. And yeah, yeah I think in that sense, it was um, very successful and uh, worth studying for, yeah. as we talked about, a, a variety of reasons. Yep. Maybe we could do a little bit of a section if we want to talk about this movie in relationship to Nope. Yeah, I, I think Jordan Peele is definitely on the same trajectory as early M. Night Shyamalan with these very well-constructed movies that have very clever and thoughtful things going on. Like there's a lot of information that's being carefully placed and then there's uh, clever revelations and details to pick up on. And But yeah, and I think with Nope... As I said, the thematic focus is different. I think it's more meta. It's more about movies themselves. It's more about spectacle. Whereas I think, as we've just talked about, that science is more of a discussion on faith and meaning. I'd love to hear your thoughts, obviously. It's an interesting parallel because there's a lot of, you know, similar the similarities beyond just the UFO aspect. I think how they both kind of use a narrowed perspective and media is very interesting. Like we also in Nope don't really go outside of the perspective of the characters except into like the Gordy mm -hmm. scenes. I like mm -hmm. how in Signs it engages with like TV and radio as a source of like information. And when you see the thing, it's just an interesting comparison to me to note that in Signs, you have this kind of contrived scenario of, oh, they film him at a birthday party. Because that's a scenario mm -hmm. in which people would have out a video recorder because they'd be filming the birthday party and then they'd mm -hmm. manage to catch this alien. On, whereas now it's just like, well, you have a camera everywhere, so you don't need an excuse for like, oh, why were they filming? They both kind of touch on media as an element of their story. But I think it definitely, I found it interesting how much watching this brought to mind how little Nope touches on belief and how that doesn't play much of a role hmm. in the story itself. Like nobody in yeah. nobody in Nope is like, is the alien real or not? They're just like, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's there. Mm -hmm. They're not imagining it's a hoax. They're like, it's real and we just need to capture it on camera to prove it. I mean, they're slightly skeptical at the beginning, but not in the same way of yeah. like grappling with the reality of mm -hmm. it. So I found, I found that to be an interesting contrast. Yeah. You also see it in the, uh, they both deal with the impact of yes, a yeah. bad miracle, as we've talked about. But I think for Nope, it's a bit less, it also becomes less yeah. about belief. Like, you know, um, your dad gets killed by a coin that falls from the sky. Like it's, it's, it's either like totally random or like maybe some sort of sign. But that's, yeah, that's, it's not really a question, if I remember correctly, yeah. that's raised in Nope. Not necessarily that the movie is lesser because of it, but it's it's interesting how you can have the same sort of inciting events and then use them for different thematic questions. There's no like good miracle counterpoint within mm. Nope. It kind of starts out with that and then doesn't doesn't explore that idea further. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't have any specifically profound comparison, mm -hmm. but I, I think there is some definitely some interesting, not just overlap in terms of subject matter but also in terms of themes mm -hmm. and the way in which they explore them is uh is interesting to me so i think maybe also that the thing about nope is that it questions everything in the context of nature and not in the context of right uh god or like yeah the the idea of some sort of 
ultimate meaning. It kind of already assumes that nature is the force that decides our lives or that drives our lives. And that includes like randomness, but also the uncertainty and the unpredictability of like, as we talked about, and like animals are a big metaphor and yeah. the UFO there is revealed to be a big organism instead of an, an intelligent force from or like a ship or something like that. So yeah, that might be why the thematic focus might also be different because the assumptions are already right. They kind of start out from a different point of view, but yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check us out on our creator owned streaming service, Nebula, where you can experience our podcast ad free listen to all of our episodes a week early and get access to monthly bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else. On Nebula, we for example covered the latest Doctor Strange movie, Sam Mendes' 1917, Stanley Kubrick's science fiction classic 2001 A Space Odyssey, and Nicholas Winding Reference Drive. Right now, the best way to get access to Nebula is by signing up for CuriosityStream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more, visit curiositystream.com slash cinemaofmeaning, or just follow the link in the show notes. And we'll see you again next time.